0: This is Radical Learning Talks with Sadi Gonzalez and Becca Coritz. We are so excited to have Iris Chen in the house today. Iris is a deconstructing tiger mom, unschooling partner, youth advocate, liberation activist, and the writer of the amazing book, Untigering, Peaceful Parenting for the Deconstructing Tiger Parent. Iris shares with us about her family's unschooling journey, about moving from authoritarian to more peaceful parenting, and about how unschooling is deep social justice work. Welcome, Iris. We are so excited. I actually could not sleep last night because I was so excited about this, this chat, um, because the work you're doing is so critical and huge in the unschooling, anti-oppression world. And um, thank you for being here. You're
1: welcome and thank you from yeah. the depth oh. of our hearts.
0: <laughs> wow, thank you so much. Yeah, and and just kind of in the spirit of how we like to do things, like we don't want to introduce you. We'd like you to introduce yourself, if that's okay. <laughs> like, who are sure. you?
2: Sure, so I am Iris. I wrote the book Untigering Peaceful Parenting for the Deconstructing Tiger Parents. Um, And yeah, I think I started a blog in 2017, and then it just became... Uh, a movement which really surprised me i was just sharing and writing about my life and a lot of people resonated with that and were um, interested and excited about learning more about peaceful parenting and unschooling and so i'm really grateful for how much it's grown and for the opportunity to to share about my perspectives about self-directed learning um, unschooling and parenting, especially from the perspective of um, an Asian American, um, somebody who isn't often the face of these movements. So yeah, much for having me.
0: Yeah. And I mean, really, if you haven't read this book, guys, this is a must. Like it it goes up there with like Peter Gray, Akilah Richards, like you, you have to go out and get this like Yeah. Parents, facilitators, grannies, abuelas, abuelos, everybody (laughs) go. Yeah. (laughs)
1: I I really just want to say that, you know, I have read a lot of books and this is for me, the best parenting book I have ever read. I love it. So, so
0: if I can dive into some questions for you, Iris, like you, you, talks, like your book is so important, I think, because you talk about some really big things here, right? You're not just talking about gentle parenting. You're also talking about unschooling. You're also talking about anti-oppression and social justice work. You, I mean, you, you talk about it all and we can dive into each of those pieces. Um, but I, I want to focus specifically to begin with like the intersection of peaceful parenting and unschooling. Like how did diving into peaceful parenting lead you into unschooling?
2: Mm, it definitely, laid the groundwork and the foundation of our choice to unschool as a family, because peaceful parenting, gentle parenting, respectful parenting, whatever we want to call it, is really about seeing our children as full human beings who are worthy of respect and dignity and autonomy and all the things that we want for ourselves as adults. And so it was just interesting how Um, a lot of us can say, yes, in these certain areas, we will respect their autonomy and humanity and consent and all those things. But in the area of education, I still feel like I need control. I still feel like I know better than my child. And um, I think just peeling back that layer, really recognizing, like, why do I believe that? Why do I still have this false belief that I need to coerce my child to learn, that I I don't trust who they are. I don't trust that they are um, excited about learning, that they have the drive to learn. Um, So it's again like having a very antagonistic, hierarchical relationship with my children in that area. And so, um, yeah, I, I think that once we really dive into what Peaceful Parenting is and changing our view of who children are, I think that really can empower us to respect them more and want to empower them more to live the lives that they want to live and not just the lives that we want them to
1: live. I can only agree. I'm like, yes, yes, yes. I'm, I'm nodding. They, they can't see me nod, but I'm just like, yeah. I mean,
0: yeah. And so what you're talking about is, is, you know, authenticity too. You talk a lot about that in your book, like, you know, um, also stemming from radical acceptance. Like if if that's a term that really stood out to me and that I resonated with, because if we're trying to support our kids to be free and live authentically, then first the work is like our own work, right. To look at how, how, if, when we are doing that with ourselves, like, can you talk more about what radical acceptance is and um, how it freed you to untiger? Yeah, I think of radical acceptance, you know, it could
1: be
2: like radical love as well. It's just um, really knowing who we are and accepting it. It doesn't even really need to be like um, celebrating it or like loving who we are. It's just like, this is who I am, good and bad. Like, I think we are very complex nuanced people and so we we don't have to say that everything about me is wonderful um which which isn't true which isn't honest right but but yeah like how can we be just fully human I talk about that a lot too it's like being authentic is to be fully human and to embrace all the wonderful and not so wonderful parts of ourselves and how can we um, accept that with grace, with compassion, with empathy towards ourselves and towards others. And I think back to like the choice to in school and why that's so tied to authenticity is because we have to recognize the systems around us that really stifle our authenticity, that that forces to conform, that that communicate to us that we are not good enough, that we need to hide parts of ourselves, that we need to conform, like all these Um, systems that uh, teach us not to be authentic. And so how can we begin to dismantle that? And I believe that conventional schooling is one of those systems, you know, just having very standardized expectations of how you're supposed to behave, um, really robbing us of our autonomy, all these things. So, like, if school looked different, if school looked more (laughs) free and autonomous and respectful and empowering of our th- authenticity, then, you know, I'd be happy.
1: But it's it's really interesting, Iris, because this is like one of the big things that I really appreciate with your book. It is your vulnerability and your willingness to be authentic and show like all of yourself, um, even the parts that are dark and hard to deal with. And, and I think that it's so important because having worked with parents for decades, I know that most parents fear the adult gaze like nothing else. And and we all kind of like put on this facade and just try to, we we try to look good and we don't want to talk about our mistakes or our shortcomings. And I think that that makes it so easy to relate to you in the book and be like, okay, she messed up too. Okay, so do we, and she's not a bad person, you know, like all and there, there is that radical acceptance. Like, yes, this is what we are. And I'm thinking also like for, for our children, what an amazing gift to have a mom who can embrace herself in that way because then they can learn to do the same. Mm,
2: Yeah, I would not have been able to write this book if I hadn't been at a place of that radical self-acceptance and self-love, because I wouldn't have been able to be vulnerable. I would have had all the answers. I would have been coming from a place of expertise and um, like telling you what to do. But it really wasn't from that place. It was like, I have struggled through this. I have felt what you have felt. I've done the things that I um, would now, tell pe- parents never to do, you know. I've done those. And how can we um, resist shame, you know, just acknowledge and take accountability, of course, for our actions, but extending that grace and that compassion to ourselves, that acceptance to ourselves, so that we can do the work and change and transform and um, love ourselves through it, you know.
0: Yeah, I think it's not about just saying I took the course on gentle, peaceful parenting, and now I'm a peaceful parent. I mean, I, I go back to the old versions of myself all the time. Like when I'm tired, when I'm grumpy, when I'm hungry, when, you know, like somebody looks at me the wrong way and it, it strikes up a memory. I mean, it was really yeah. helpful to read your book and see that vulnerability because it actually reminded me of, of a lot of the work that I still need to do. You know, like mm-hmm. I, I, I've hit my kid, you know, I raise my voice at him every now and then I slip up and do, you know, really oppressive things to him without even recognizing it and knowing it sometimes. And so I think that's why, um, your book, you know, community is super important. Um, I don't know. Can we, yeah, let's talk about community. Cause that's like, a big piece of, I know, the work that you do, that we do as well, and you speak about it so beautifully in your book. Um, What is the role of community in gentle parenting and unschooling for you? Mm. Yeah, I think especially,
2: you know, coming from um, a culture, I'm Chinese American, and coming from a culture that is very collectivist, is very communal in a lot of ways, Um, I see a a value in that. I see a lot of beauty in that that is missing from maybe more individualistic cultures. And sometimes when we talk about parenting or talk about unschooling, it's very individualistic. It's like, what am I doing with my child inside my home with my family? Um, What choices am I making personally? And not really taking into consideration all the things that are happening around us that make us who we are and the parents that we are. And so, yeah, just recognizing not only the the personal work that we have to do, but the the work that we have to do as a community and as a society to shift things so that we can be more empowered to be the people that we want to be. Um, and so community is, is so important. And sometimes it's hard for me to think of like all the the big, you know, shifting of, of culture. But I... You know, in terms of politics and all that, but I think of it more as something really grassroots and as something um, like in your community, in your neighborhood, with the people around you making changes there that can ripple out and be so powerful. So, yeah, and like you said before, you know, when we're, when we feel isolated, when we're on our own, it's so easy to feel like we're alone in this Um, but having community to encourage us to remind us to challenge us all that is so important for us to continue (laughs) to do this work in a sustainable way
0: yeah and you know I see unschooling as as a movement and a movement where we're moving from the I to the we right Mm -hmm. so that you know I love how you how you talk about this but Oh, there's a donkey in the background. Sorry about that. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Um, so yeah, moving from the I to the we, you know, like you talk about this individual uh, individualism to the collectiveness, you know, and I and I think like I would love to to talk about unschooling as a political movement, like as social justice work and anti oppression work, Um, because it's 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 not just like we are doing school at home. Right. We could do that. Right. But that's not what we're doing here. <laughs> so what are we doing here? Um, <laughs> this is my question. And there's actually a part of your book that um, I would love if if you can share with our with our listeners um, about really like defining how it's not just about, um, you know, homeschooling or doing things at home or even just like you know consent with our kids or building our kids up or affirming who they like trying to support them as who they are but that there's a social responsibility that we are all connected to and working towards as unschoolers so would you share this piece it's page 201 it's the last paragraph of um of this section
2: yes i'd be happy to Affirming the dignity of our children necessitates that we affirm the dignity of all human beings. If we truly care about the welfare of children, we must be engaged in addressing the greater social ills that hinder the formation of healthy families. We must work together against oppression and on behalf of social justice so that we reap the collective benefits that will help us all to thrive as a community.
1: Thank you. you. I want to cry when I hear that. And, and this is something that we've been talking a lot about, Sadie and I, too, that this feeling of like, for us, it's not enough for us to be free or our kids to be free. If we don't work actively towards freeing the world, this is meaningless. It means nothing.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So... It is easy to, for us to fall into this pattern of like, okay, well, how can, how can my children be free? Um, how can like, I create this, this bubble of safety and autonomy and freedom for my children? Um, but the problem with that is that it can, like without considering the needs of others, it can be a lot of entitlement right? You're, you're just thinking about yourself and what you personally need. And so you're fighting for those rights to, for your own freedom, but you're not considering how those freedoms impact other people. And so, yeah, I think it's really about once we recognize, you know, I do really think of unschooling as anti-oppression work because it's, um, again, seeing young people as as worthy of of freedom and dignity and autonomy and to pursue life in the way that's meaningful for them. And I think if we begin to see um, them as a marginalized community in that way, our our view extends to all marginalized communities and ways that we can create more justice for them as well.
0: Yeah, I talk a lot about this with with the kids at the learning center at Explora. Um, you know, just around these big big topics around privilege, you know, or around um, just social justice ish- issues. And and sometimes parents are like, "Well, well isn't is that's like taboo? You know, like you shouldn't. They're too young to hear these things, you know." Or or, and I'm like, "Well, but if we're not, we're also not giving them an opportunity." to see the real world, to understand the real world, and to then navigate the world and make very different choices, you know, make choices that are inclusive um, to, yeah, to really, like, how, how are we working towards a shift if, if we're not being real about the oppressions that are happening in this world and what our mm-hmm. role is what our role is in it, you know, if we are privileged to, to understand and own that and, and navigate from that place. So I really, really appreciate that. Um, also what you were talking about, um, in terms of, you know, collectivism is this idea that it's, it's not like, it's not about all or none, right? Like, it's not like, okay, either you're the authoritarian parent or you're, I think you, you labeled it or you called it like permissive parent, right? That there's a middle ground, which is about the we, which is about like, I have needs, you have needs, let's come together and partner to finding a solution. Um, so that brings me to boundaries (laughs) and like what your journey has been as an untigering mom in understanding boundaries and what your relationship To boundaries is right now as an Mm unschooling
1: person
2: yes i think boundaries are so important um i think especially as somebody who gets to spend a lot of time with her children you know all day every day for the most part for many years um i think it's so important to have to draw boundaries and to communicate those boundaries to my children because I just posted something about this today. It's like, I'm not the martyr. Like, the parent shouldn't be the martyr where they get stepped up all over. Their knees don't matter. They need to sacrifice. I mean, of course, as a parent, we want to share power with our child. And we, we want, we have, like, we hopefully are more mature, have more experience so that we can hold more space for whatever our children are going through. But that doesn't mean that we give in to whatever they want or um, we never get to say no, or you know that we have to ignore our needs so that their needs get met. I think that's a really unhealthy way to be in relationship with anybody, right? So how can we um, just experience, like I talk about it in my book as equity, where sharing, sharing more power. That doesn't mean it's equal power necessarily all the time, or that everybody's needs get met in, in like fifty-fifty percentage ways. Um, but it it does mean that we work together in in ways that can serve us all. And so, for for me as the parent. I have to also consider what are my needs. And just as I'm empowering my children to be in tune with themselves, to be able to express express their own emotions, to draw their own boundaries, um, to communicate their limits, to communicate consent, I have to model that and practice that with them. So if something is happening, like they're doing something to my body that I don't enjoy, do I just have to suck it up? Do I just have to say, like, okay, well, I'm the mom. I have no choice here. This is what a good parent does. Or can I really communicate my needs in a respectful way where I say, like, okay, I'm, I'm really touched out and overwhelmed right now. I love you. Can I have a few moments to myself and then we'll snuggle for 10 minutes, you know, later tonight or whatever it is where I can still, you know, affirm and meet their needs, but also um draw boundaries and meet my needs as well
1: yeah it makes me think of like not taking away kids power but not giving away your own power but rather Mm -hmm. acknowledging that we have power and how can we how can we navigate that so that we can keep our power but like in in every sense of the word yeah yeah
0: yeah. Partnership. Yeah. Yeah. And, you yeah. know, maybe we should have done this in the beginning of this podcast, but I don't know that everyone is, is, um, familiar with the term untigering or what even tigering parents or <laughs> humans are. Um, but the reason why it might be a good, a good time to do that is because it has a lot to do with power, right. And, and power dynamics and, um, sounds like relationships that are not are not based in partnerships. Could you share a little bit more of what your definition is of the the tigering parent? Sure.
2: So this term um, came from Amy Chua's book, The Battle Hymn of the Tiger Mother. She's like a Chinese American Yale law professor and wrote a memoir about her um, experience parenting her daughters. And so tiger parenting is very authoritarian, strict, rigid, uh, controlling parenting, um, that also has very high expectations for children's performance and achievement. So um, yeah, this is often very common among perhaps immigrant families, um, those you know who just have a lot of expectations of their children's future and what they need to do in order to achieve success. So untigering for me, because I grew up with that type of parenting um, and surrounded by a culture where that was the norm, um, untigering for me has has really been dismantling and, and deconstructing that type of parenting as a child and also as a parent, because I continued those patterns with my children until I was, you know, forced to really question that um, that style of parenting. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and you share a lot of really um, vulnerable moments about about your childhood and about you know what what that tigering looked like in your life. I'm really curious, Iris, if I can ask, like, how did your family and your friends receive? that like have they read you have has your family read your book and and what was their experience of it
2: um I like my I'm not sure if my my parents have or my dad sadly passed away before the book came out um my mom her English isn't that great so she has picked up the book but I'm not sure how much she um understands. And I don't know if my siblings have really read it. (laughs) But they have been very supportive. They've been supportive of me publishing the book and sharing it. Um, I think part of like, my journey in writing this book was that I had to do it regardless of what anybody thought. Um, I I didn't ask their permission. (laughs) I didn't ask I mean, I asked my children's consent for sharing those stories, but I didn't necessarily ask, you know, my parents' consent to share those stories because it was actually my story that I was sharing. I wasn't really um, sharing a whole lot of their story. Um, so part of part of the integering is to um, just, again, draw that boundary of, like, you're allowed to... Have feelings about this book that I wrote. You're allowed to not be happy with it, and um, you know, process it in your own way. And I also have the freedom to tell my story, and I'm not doing it in a malicious way to make you look bad or whatever. It's really part of my own healing, and hopefully, to help other other families and other people heal and transform as well. So it was really an act of of love, hopefully, um, that they could experience it in that way. But none of them have like come come out and like uh, talk to me directly about it and said that they were, you know, upset about it. So
0: I can relate to what you're saying about you know it, it is your story, it is your your perspective, right? And But at the same time, it's like, you know, there are things that I've shared on podcasts and I'm like, oh my gosh, my dad's going to hear this. And I really don't want to shame him, you know, but, but that is our history. And that's, you know, that, that is part of the untigering, like you're saying is, is being authentic in how we were affected by certain parenting styles and behaviors and breaking the cycle. You know, I, 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 spoke to my dad Um, when he came down to Mexico and we actually, um, had a moment where again, different parenting styles came to a head and I could see that it was probably really, um, not enjoyable for, for him to almost feel challenged by the differences in our parenting style. But I explained, like, I'm trying to break cycles here like I, there's a different way of doing it. And I understand why you're doing it this way. And I understand that that's where you came from. And I understand like all the history, Um, you know, my dad is Colombian. So there's like a lot there, there's a lot to unpack around his, the relationships and parenting styles and success, like all of that. But you know, I'm a different person, and I have a different life, and I also have a different perspective. And so, I love you, but this is my way of also doing my healing and trying to break cycles, so that um, Sai so could ha- make different choices if he chooses as well. But thank you for sharing that because I think um, it's always a li- it's very uncomfortable to be vulnerable in that way. But I'm really glad that you wrote this book. Mm-hmm. And that you need this because um, I think people need to hear that there's also other ways of doing things. That it's not about shaming, but it's about recognizing. And that's also part of the social justice work as
1: well. And I think it's really important to have a book like this because it's also so well uh, founded in research. So if people have questions, they can just go and, you know, read the studies or the books that you're referencing to. Um And also I'm thinking like what a lot of parents struggle with, uh, at least in my experience, is when they start making that parenting shift and their parents uh, don't like it. I think that many like, grandparents kind of feel criticized indirectly because we're making other choices Uh, so our own parents might react or our friends or our siblings or and there's this again adult gaze of disapproval and I am so curious to hear how you have managed that because now you have the book so it's like okay read this and you will understand my choices but like when you were in the process of (laughs) starting all this like How did you cope with the adult gaze of disapproval? (laughs) That is such a
2: great question. And I was very privileged in that I lived thousands of miles away from the adult gaze of my family. Because when I started this, I was living in China and I didn't have any family around. I was really, um, you know, I I had other friends and stuff, but I didn't really necessarily have that adult gaze. I had other friends who parented very differently than I did. Um, And so there was that. But I am really grateful for that distance in some ways, like because I left when I was in my like mid 20s or late 20s and was gone for all of my parenting years pretty much until two years ago. So um, even though I, I didn't have that family support because I lived overseas, I also was able to create some distance and to learn to define my own family culture. I had the freedom to define my own family culture because I was away. Not not all of us have that privilege, you know. Some of us are like living down the street from our from our parents, but I do think that that um, gave me the and the space to then, you know, just make choices for my own family apart from needing to worry about their gaze, because they, they couldn't see what we were doing. And even now, actually, uh, my in-laws don't really know what we're doing. <laughs> and because they aren't super um, involved, I don't feel and my husband also doesn't feel like we need to break it all down for them. And, and and tell them because they would probably freak out and not understand and have a lot of pushback. I mean, they sort of understand homeschooling. So we just tell them we're homeschooling, you know, but um, yeah, so I think sometimes with parents, the boundary that we have drawn at least is we don't need to tell them everything. We don't need to communicate everything. We are making choices for our family and they can observe the the results of those choices and talk to us about that but i don't again i don't have to ask their permission i don't have to um yeah necessarily get their approval um in order to make the choice that is best for my family
1: yeah i can really relate to that because um as a swede coming from a country where schooling is mandatory Being here and unschooling my kid would have been, of course, first of all, impossible in Sweden. But me too, I've been like really grateful for the distance, like that people haven't been able to see like all of it, because because I know that they wouldn't understand everything. And then it's really easy to judge. And there have been moments where I have been more vulnerable or maybe more fragile in my parenting and in this process of unschooling. Uh, where I was just so grateful to be just him and me and his dad Um, like no one else watching no one else seeing and now I know like my parents they understand and they support and it's like it's all good but I know for instance that his paternal grandfather has no clue that he's not going to school. And yeah, not something that is being talked about because yeah, it would be really hard. Yeah,
0: I I find and I I think you talk a lot about this too, Iris, in your blog, especially like communicate like that open communication with our kids about the realities of the world, including other people's perspectives. Right. So I I I do have a lot of conversation with Sai, like, okay, we're kind of going into this environment where they might start asking you some questions <laughs> like, how much math do you know and in what grade are yeah, you yeah <laughs> and it's yes. so incredible because because we have partnership like we're working on collaboration and partnership and really trying to break those cycles where you know we share the power it his responses and in, in those moments are like whatever <laughs> you know like I don't care or you know he's, he has so much self self-esteem and, and self-confidence um, Mm -hmm. in himself. And I think it it is also because I'm not sheltering him from the world, but it's like, this is the world that you live in and people might, might not understand that perspective. And so, yeah, I have a lot of curiosity around, around that kind of process with you and your kids as well. You know, like here you are, you wrote this book, you're, you know, talking to all these people, building all this community, like what is their take on all of this? And, how yeah how have they responded and where are they in in their I don't know can we like in their untigering untigered mom process (laughs) (laughs) do you mean like how how are they processing
2: like me writing a book and stuff like that or just the changes that you're making oh okay yeah um beginning when i was first doing this they weren't really aware of my blog you know <laughs> they were just living their lives and we were experiencing it together um, and but it was like you said it was really done in partnership where it we were just in in process we were learning with them because it wasn't like we had figured everything out and then we're like okay We know everything about unschooling now now we're going to do it it was like we know nothing about unschooling and we're gonna try this thing together what do you think and we were just um like just feeling through it together the whole time because yeah it was all really new like a whole new mindset shift for us too so like you said just that sharing of power. We were talking with them about these things that we were learning about different perspectives we had, and we were constantly like pivoting and adjusting. And um, is this the right way? We'll try it, and if not, we'll we'll you know adjust it if we need to. Um, so I think in that way, it felt like a very organic process for them. And um, I think that communication piece is, is so key. It's not like there's a formula for unschooling. There is no formula, right? It's about relationship. It's about knowing yourself and your child. Communicating is about growth and development and, and that changes constantly. And so um, coming back to the states um, and then the pandemic hitting like having a huge international move where they had grown up their entire lives overseas and then moving back to the states or moving to the states for them. Um, I think unschooling was so helpful because that made the transition really smooth for them uh, because the, the family life, the family structure was pretty stable, you know, even though we hadn't moved countries, but it wasn't like we were throwing them into a whole other environment. That that family life was still pretty consistent. But then, you know, two years into the pandemic and they're not able to really make friends, they're not able to get to know other people, they started really communicating to us. Like, we, we want to be with other people. We want to um, learn and just make friends. And so we found um, a self-directed learning center where they now go twice a week and are loving it. And so, again, it's really um, having those doors of communication open so that we know what their needs are, can support them in finding the resources and, yeah, for, for what they want and what they need.
0: Learning with them. It's incredible. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Iris, we can talk to you all day. I want to be mindful of your time too. Um, maybe to, to wrap this up, um, is there anything you, you want to share or that's on top of mind or yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um... I'm just really
2: grateful for for you and the work that you do and for others who are um, part of this movement. Like I said, it's just such a communal um, movement and the more that we can share and empower and encourage other people to consider this, to see um, how essential it is if we want to raise the next generation of free people and make changes as a society, like, yeah, just how empowering this way of life is. And I I think, I I guess another challenge is um, sometimes when I, I see the way people around me are living, I feel like I wish they knew that there was another way. Like, it doesn't have to be what you're experiencing. You know, we're sort of fed... This myth that life has to be a nine to five job. It has to be like, oh, so, you know, toil and um, but just like, sorry, how, how you made a choice to move or to do something so that you could live a life in a way that aligned with your values, I think. Unschooling is also that where we don't have to listen to the system. We don't have to listen to the conditioning of the world around us. We can be really in tune with ourselves, with who we are, with what our values are, and align our lives so that, yeah, it fits with those values and we are living in alignment and in authenticity. So that's that's what, you know, a core of unschooling is.
0: Yeah, and that's also our hope for the future a shared hope for the future too that people see that there is a different way and and it doesn't have to be you know from one day to the next you're shifting everything in your life it could be incremental changes just know the awareness and and
1: and i find that part of your book very helpful as well where you talk about values because we talk about values all the time but it's very clear also i think that most people don't think about that and that is why they are conflicted but they don't know it yet so like going down into the values and start asking ourselves what is important really for us um is so important and I don't know if you if you have any other tip maybe for for parents like that are struggling to find the balance, like what would you tell them?
2: Yeah, i would I would say to um, really take some time to think about what are those values that you have. Like what is important to you um, and to your family? And then how can you begin um, cultivating, curating a life that that is in alignment with those? So for me, that has not meant more doing, but that has meant less doing. So it actually frees us up. So we might think like, oh, no, I need to like shift my whole life. But in some ways, it's a lot of shedding. It's a lot of letting go of all these expectations and all these activities and stuff that Everybody else is telling us we need to do in order to have a happy life, but don't actually serve us. So um, I feel like it actually is very freeing when we can live more in alignment with the things that really matter to us and let go of the things that aren't serving us.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Iris, thank you so very much. Um, How can people find your work, support your work as well?
2: Yeah, so I have my website, untigering.com. I also post on social media on Facebook at Untigering and also Instagram. Um, If people are looking for more community, like we're just talking about the need for community, I do have like a group membership where we meet twice a month and that's Untigering Circle. You can find that on the membership tab on my um, website. And that has just been really life-giving for me just to connect with other unschooling families who are wanting to do this work together and encourage
0: one another so um yeah, yeah i welcome you it has to be done in community that's the only way really yeah absolutely
1: thank you iris yep. yes thank you so much the wise words yeah thank you so much thank you In the next episode of Radical Learning Talks, we'll be talking about something many of us do with our kids without understanding how limiting it can be for them. We will talk about shielding our kids from big emotions. We talk about our discomfort around emotions, how to raise resilient kids, and how to empower kids to advocate for themselves by understanding themselves and the world around them. Stay tuned.